the worship of the word. And today's sermon is, what is true repentance? What is true repentance? And we're going to start off in Luke chapter 11, verse 23. And then what we will do is we will eventually get into the book of Jonah, chapter 3. And Luke 11.32 reads, The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Let us pray. Father God, again, I want to thank you, Lord, for giving me the opportunity to be in the pulpit, to allow me to stand behind the cross and give me the words to say, and that I pray, Lord God, if there is any repentance that needs to be done today within our congregation, let today be the day that they rid that sin. I pray, Father, if there's someone here that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, I pray, Father, you convict their heart. Let them feel the need and feel the Holy Spirit convict their hearts. And most of all, Father, just be with our church. And we ask this in your precious name we pray. Amen. When we think about the Ninevites, we generally think of a couple of things. First of all, we think of Jonah. Jonah, who was swallowed by a large fish because he refused to obey the Lord's command to go preach the news. And then secondly, we think of their ranking uh, with the most wicked uh, people who ever lived on the earth. So I want to share an illustration with you. Once that the Ninevites would capture a town, uh, they commended, uh, or committed horrendous acts. Uh, once they had captured all the men in town. They would sexually violate all the women. When they were through torturing the women and sexually abusing them, they would take the men one by one with great pleasure, cut off their noses, their ears, their hands, and they would puncture their eyes. When they consider how cruel that the Ninevites were, we can understand why Jonah did not want to preach to them. A Jonah, along with the other servants, with everyone else, would have been simply delighted if God would have wiped the Ninevites from the face of the earth and they were a menace to the society. As cruel and violent as the Ninevites were, the Bible mentions them when it comes to true repentance. Why? Perhaps it is because it takes wicked people getting saved to show us what true repentance truly is. For example, a morally good person can be saved and one cannot observe a tremendous change in his life because he had not committed the visible sins.
but when the violent wicked person is saved, change is definitely observed. This was one of the things that impressed the Apostle Paul about the Thessalonians. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception that we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Also, when we think of being gloriously saved, we cannot help but think about the man in Mark chapter 5. Before that man was converted, that man was a wild man. He had to be chained like an animal. He lived in a cemetery. The Bible says in Mark 5, 5, night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. What a pitiful man that man was. Sin wrecked his life. But once he came to know the Lord, what a change he was in his life. When the townspeople who had known how wild that this man was, to see him after his conversion, looked at the change they saw in him. In verse 15 of Mark 5.15 it says, And they had came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion sitting there, clothed, and in his right mind, they were afraid. Now the Bible says he was sitting. He was no longer stamping around like a madman. Number two, he was clothed. He no longer tore his clothes off, and he was fully clothed. And number three, he was in his right mind, that he was no longer out of his mind. Listen, church, when a person truly repents of his sins and comes to know Christ, the Bible says of him in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, the old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. The Ninevites were one of the most wicked people of that time. Yet, when those wicked Ninevites turned to God, we see evidence of their true repentance. Therefore, God's word has a great deal to say about the Ninevites' repentance. Now, we know they truly repented of their sins because the Bible declares they did. Again, let's look at Luke eleven thirty two. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Once that they had repented of their sins, they no longer were a cruel and wicked person or people. They changed the way they did things. It was no longer business as usual. They convinced God who could not be fooled that they were truly sorry for the sins that they had committed. God forgave them 
of their sins and spared them from the destruction he was going to send their way. Now, let me show you three things about repentance that we can see in Scripture. And they're as simple as ABC. Number one, A is for the awareness. Look at Jonah chapter 3, verses 3 through 4. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was exceedingly great city, three days journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Nineveh was such a big city that it took three days to walk across the city. Notice it was Jonah was one day in his journey through the wicked town he began to proclaim the message of repentance. Jonah's preaching must go down as some of the most effective preaching in the history of mankind. As a result of the preaching, this man at large wicked town repented. Why was it so effective? Probably because of what Jonah had gone through. Someone said, I'm going to share an illustration here. Someone said, if God took all the preachers in the world, hung them over hell, and let them hear the anguish and the torment of those in hell for 30 seconds, they would never preach as they once did. We cannot forget what happened to Jonah, he had spent three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. We've all heard of foxhole praying. I know we got some Marines and Army guys in here. I'm sure you guys have heard of foxhole praying. But I believe Jonah prayed as no man has ever prayed. He probably told the Lord, God, if you get me out of this mess, I will preach as I've never preached before. I do not care of those Ninevites or cruel and wicked people, but if you give me one more chance, I will go and tell them that they better repent. That is exactly what he did when he started preaching. Everyone who heard him preach was convinced. He believed in what he was talking about, and soon they believed the same thing. The whole town was convinced and repented of their sins. Another illustration I want to share with you. Must have been something on the day of the Pentecost when Peter preached and 3,000 got saved. But when Jonah preached, it was such great power that the whole city came to know the Lord. Everyone that heard him knew that God had given him the message, and it was not long before they repented. There is something seriously wrong in our churches today, church. Today, and much of the problem is not the lay people in the churches, but with the ministers of God who preach sermons that are void of the powerful word of God. Illustration I want to share with you. Theologian J.I. Packer said, Certainly about the great issues of Christian faith and conduct is lacking all along the line. 
the outside observer sees us staggering on from one gimmick to gimmick and stunt to stunt like so many drunks in a fog, not knowing at all where we are or which way we should be going. Preaching is hazy, heads are muddled, hearts fret, doubts drain, strength, uncertainty paralyzes action. Unlike the first Christians who in three centuries won the Roman world, and those later Christians who pioneered the Reformation and the Puritan awakening of the last century, we lack certainty. Why is this? We blame the external pressures of modern secularism, but that is like Eve blaming the serpent. The real truth is, is that we have grieved the Holy Spirit. We stand under divine judgment. For two generations, our church has suffered from a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. That is a tragic truth. If the Apostle Paul was here today, he would be screaming, Preach the Word of God. That's what we need to be doing, church, is preach the Word of God. When people come to church, they should be expecting to hear from the Word of God. And when they leave, they should not leave disappointed. An illustration. A man and his wife were visiting Georgia and saw signs along the roadside telling them of a place that they could go ride a chairlift up to the top of the mountain and lit see a live gunfight show in the street and a saloon show with singing and etc. There was a sign at the bottom of the hill where they bought their tickets. They indicated that the live gunfight would begin in about 15 minutes. The man and his wife paid their fare, caught the chair up to the top of the mountain. However, when they arrived at the top, they discovered they were the only two tourists there. The only other people were the actors who put on the show. Since there were only two tourists, the young actors were going to take it upon themselves to cancel the shows. However, when it came showtime for the Wild West stagecoach shootout on Main Street, the man and his wife found a good spot on the side of the street in the middle of the town, and they called to the actors. When is the show going to begin? They looked at each other like, oh man, there are only two people here. Do they expect us to put a show on for just two people? Again, they gave each other a disgusted look at having to put on a show for only two people. The couple walked into the saloon. They had their choice of any seat in the house because they were the only two there. However, in a few minutes, the singing and dancing begun. And after the show was over, the two tourists went away satisfied because they came expecting to see. People, we should come to church expecting to hear the preacher preach the word of God, and they should be disappointed if they hear a sermon if they do not hear a sermon from the word of God. If you don't hear true Bible preaching, you need to get up and get out of that church because they're not a Bible-believing church. Jonah preached with such great power and authority to those ungodly Ninevites 
they heard the man of God who was convinced that they did not repent, they would perish. They saw that he was thoroughly convinced and that he soon became convinced. Listen, most ungodly people on earth have been to church and once they heard God's man preach, they discovered the message was more powerful than a sinner. They fell on their faces and they cried out to God for forgiveness of their sin. When God's message of repentance was declared, the Ninevites became aware of God's wrath and not his awareness. I tell you, there's many times, and I'm not the only one, I've preached in many churches that you could feel the Holy Spirit dealing with someone's heart and they're there clutching the back of that bench thinking that if I could just get through the next two or three minutes, I'll be okay. But, they're also looking for distraction within the church as well. And when we got people that's up, moving around during an invitation, or talking, or fiddling with their phones, you could bet your bottom's dollar that that lost person is looking directly at you. And that's their way of focusing with them versus focusing with the Holy Spirit. In church... When imitation comes up, that's probably the most important time out of the whole service. Is when the Holy Spirit is dealing with that lost soul. And the last thing that I want to do as a Christian is me interfere with the Holy Spirit dealing with somebody else's heart. That's why we as Christians need to be patient got to go to the restroom get up and go before the invitation starts and stay outside until the invitation is over because again when people that are lost is focusing on any distraction that they can have that's what they're going to focus on is they're going to focus on you so we know what number one is awareness number two b is for their belief and jonah Chapter 3, verse 5, it says, And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. They were so convinced of the message of destruction that God told Jonah to preach that the Bible tells the people from the greatest to the least, proclaim a, fa proclaim a fast, and put on sackcloth. Notice that the king even came down from his throne and took off his royal robe and put on sackcloth. Look at Jonah 3, 6. We read, The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, and covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. In fact, the king was so convinced God was going to destroy them for their wickedness that he might have gone to the extreme. He even decreed a fast for the livestock. I guess he thought it would be better to overdo than to underdo. And sometimes I'm kind of like that. I'd rather overdo than underdo. Listen, the one that America has today has taken a drastic action 
as the king of Nineveh took. The proud people of this nation must fall on their faces before God and humble themselves before him. Do you know what is sad? Preachers have been preaching the judgment of God that will come against the gross sin of America, and yet we do not repent. We can't help wondering how much longer God will allow this nation to seek in a deeper and deeper into sin before he extends his hand against us. Americans believe that they can sin and keep on sinning and there's no punishment is going to come. And why do we believe this? Because Americans believe that they are exempt from the wrath of God. But I do tell you one thing, you are not exempt. And there's going to be a day when we will see the wrath of God come upon us. And if you think that you can sit there and continue to sin and not face the repercussion on that, you're sadly mistaken. The American people are a strange breed. Why do you say that? Because they have been so blessed by God that they feel that they're so special that God would never judge them. And he may judge others, but not America. Americans think this because they do not know the God in this Bible. I want to share an illustration with you. We should learn a lesson from Israel, God's chosen people. Every time that they rebelled, God extended his hand of chastisement upon them and looked at the history of the Jews and see how the hand of God has fallen upon those people. If God judges his own people, we are kidding ourselves when we think that we, as a nation, can continue to sin and not have God's severity chastise us. What we believe is that we can sin and get away with it. What we should believe is that God will only put up with rebellion for so long. He will send his judgment. While there's still a chance, we should ask God to have mercy on us and spare us as he has spared the Ninevites when they repented of their sin. The Bible says that from the greatest to the least, they cried out to God to forgive them. So we have seen awareness. We have seen belief. Now let's look at one more in the last thing. That's a C for their change. Look at Jonah 3.8. And it says, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mighty to God and let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hand. Notice the king decreed, let them turn everyone from his evil way and the violence that is in their hands. Violence is the most common crimes in America. Illustration. We used to be concerned about the danger on some of the streets in America today. But listen, they have gotten so bad 
that now we hear about people being shot in their own yards. Never in the history of America has violence been such a problem. Some foreigners are afraid to come to America because they hear about so many being shot as they drive along the interstate highways. We have politicians who think the answer to all violence and sex education is more money and more education. However, it seems to be that the more money we spend and the more we educate, the worse things get. Why is that? Because money and education will not solve the sin problem. Parents, some of you may know this and some of you may not. Did you know that middle schools in the West are letting your kids read a book called Genderqueer? This vile, disgusting book teaches your kids that it's okay to find your way to accept same-sex people. How to have both oral and anal sex with the same sex. That book is in the middle schools today. Why isn't Christian parents standing up to the boards of education and getting that disgusting, vile book out of the school system today. Why is that? If you have heard about this, you need to be going to the schools and demand that those books be removed. You can Google all this if you don't believe me. It's in there. You must hand it to the king of Nineveh that he might have been wicked, keen once, but as soon as he heard the man of God speak, Judgment was about to come on Nineveh. And the Bible says he told his people, fast, cried mighty to God, and turned from their wicked ways. God was so pleased that they truly repented of their sins that he did not destroy them. As we're closing in the summary, praise team, you can come on up. A is for awareness. B is for the belief. C is for change. Isn't it strange that America was once known as a godly nation, but not anymore? How we have changed as a nation. Last illustration I want to share with you. Someone had observed there was a day when dad wore the pants. The more the mother wore the jewelry, and the children wore the stripes. There was even in ungodly homes a right order of authority. Dad set the direction, and mom did her best to raise obedient children with the father's help. And the children grew up secure because they knew their parents loved them. But now, even in the homes of God, fearing people, we are known for our rebellion greed, our lust, our perversion, divorces, 
adultery, cursing, gambling, nudity, etc. May God help us see our need to repent and to change, to turn from our wicked ways, to doing what is right. Church, where are you? Where, what is your home like? Are your kids, instead of talking to them and reading God's word with them, are they on computers and laptops and cell phones and getting on stuff that they shouldn't be getting on? Where's your heart right now? Where is your home life? To those that might, there might be somebody in here lost. Today is the day for you to get right with the Lord. We are not promised a tomorrow. You would not believe, and I'm sure everybody else in here has said the same thing. They saw a friend, and the next day they were gone. They died. We're not promised tomorrow, so where's your heart? Maybe you have unconfessed sin on your heart right now. During invitation, you can be up here getting right with God. Or if you don't have the Lord in your life, come up here and we'll talk about what it takes to get right and get saved. Let us all please stand. Have thy own way, Lord. Have thine own